Welcome to Yellow Jackets Hive. I am Media Melanie, along with my co-host. I'm Emily. And we're here to intro an interview we did actually last week. Um, we didn't think it was going to end up being a whole standalone episode, but it turns out that uh, Marie Schley, the costume designer from Yellow Jackets, had so much great information to share with us, we decided to make it its own episode. Um, before we replay that interview, Emily, what were some of your favorite little tidbits and highlights from our conversation with Marie? Just really like all of the, like what went into like creating the antler queen, I think was probably the most fascinating to me because like, it's also really interesting to me that like the fandom is the one that created the name, the antler queen. Like she said in the interview that they referred to, they referred to the antler queen as what was it? The Oracle? The Oracle. Yes. Yeah. So they were calling the antler queen, the Oracle while they were filming and the name antler queen was adopted by the fandom, but the showrunners use it now, which I think is so cool that like they allowed the fandom to create a name for one of their characters. But I mean, the antler queen is obviously like, we think we know who she is, but it's still kind of a mystery. So it's just real. anything having to do with that is just super interesting to me. And it was really cool to, hear like what went into making the costumes and like the aging process on the clothes like there's so much more that goes into it than you would ever consider absolutely and you know along with the naming of the antler queen by the fandom we talked about the cannibal council and how that's another name you know that the fandom came up with right um they just knew that they were going to be having a ceremony you know at a, a dinner table so i think it's cool the yeah. fandom came up with the the Cannibal Council. Um, we've come up with some really good names, actually. Emily, you were the one who coined Cabin Daddy as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. And MFQ. Um, you know, I think I came up with the MFQ during a previous podcast episode. Um, but I, I just, I love the fandom. I think you guys are all going to love this interview with Marie Schley. Um, yeah. So feel free to, you know, pop in any comments or questions and we can answer them later. But with that, here is our interview with Yellow Jackets costume designer, Marie Schley. Enjoy. I'm great. Thanks for having me, you guys. This is one of my most favorite projects I've worked on. So Awesome. Oh, well, thank you for joining us. Um, you know, why don't we just get started? Tell us a little bit about um, your job as a costume designer and then maybe some other shows that you've worked on in addition to Yellow Jackets. Well, I've been doing this for a long time, and I've um, <clears throat> I, I've worked on a show um, called Transparent, which is which I won an Emmy for in like 2015, and I've done a lot of um, comedy on television. I did Single Parents, and I've worked on just completed a season of Minx on HBO Max, which is now going to be on Stars. Um, early on in my career, I worked for a very famous costume designer, Deborah McGuire on Friends as one of her assistants. So I've had a, a sort of like a very wildly disparate career of different kind of tones and sensibilities. But All right. And then you, you got into Yellow Jackets, which we were chatting a little bit, you know, before we got started here. And, and 
you talked about NDAs. Was this like the most tight-lipped show that you've worked on before or? Um, <clears throat> no, they're all pretty tight-lipped because, you know, but I think um, interestingly enough, the, uh, you know, the pilot we just made, no one really knew what it was going to be. They didn't know it was going to be a phenomena. So um, it's really only after season one that, we realized that there's so many little secrets and reveals that added to the excitement and the fun of the show. So that's where I think it's really, you know, it's less about non-disclosure, more about just keeping, you know, keeping it fun, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Keeping the audience on their toes and guessing. And there's obviously a lot of that. The speculation, you know, within the fandom is wild. So it's, very fun um with all well actually now that you mention it i'm thinking like they ashley and bart the two writers always knew where the show was going and but we so when we were kind of concepting the idea during the pilot and when you do the pilot you're really setting the look for the whole you know the whole trajectory of the storyline and all the characters and um they um you know, we would have to be like, well, who is the antler queen? We need to know who it is. <laughs> we can tie it in a little bit to what that character is wearing or, um, and there were certain things that they knew and certain things that they, we had to obscure because they hadn't really figured out that story point yet. Hmm. So like, for instance, the, um, the co-ed naked soccer t-shirt person who, when we were making the pilot, we, the wardrobe department called it the uh, the hunter because we didn't know who it was and we couldn't, we didn't really didn't. And the whole idea was not to reveal who it was, reveal who it was. So we had, and that's part of how that whole costume evolved into the look. This picture you're showing right now is like, we did a lot of like um, test run in our, with a stunt, this is one of the stunt people who actually was in the wore the costume. We tested out what looked best. You can see that this shirt's not aged at all. None of this stuff is like aged down or made to look old yet. It's still just like right. And then you stuff. aged it and made it look yeah. old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Um, so as you mentioned, you worked on the pilot episode and episodes eight through ten. Yeah. Um, of those, which one do you think was your favorite? I mean, you were involved in Doom Coming, obviously, and that you know had a, a pretty heavy costume design yeah, to that it. Was, fun. was um, I mean, it has to be the pilot in the sense that that's where we came up. We originated so many ideas. We had a lot of time. I worked, you know, very closely with Karen Kusama, the director, and Ashley and Bart, our creators, to really come up with an even Showtime to come up with looks. And our amazing producer drew comments to come up with looks that told this story and you know added sort of depth to it i mean it was like so i mean one of the things is this whole idea of all these easter eggs like we didn't that wasn't like something that people planned in the pilot it's just something that evolved out of that process of designing the pilot and what uh restrictions we had you know so um <clears throat> but it ended up being a really fun part of it. And so we leaned into it. And so Dune Coming was really fun to come back and do that because I really tried to tie in those looks as early ideas towards where we're going with that like cannibal council thing you're calling it. 
but basically that <laughs> ceremony that they have around the fire. What did you guys call the group of people having the ceremony around the fire? Was there a name exactly. that the crew had or that, that was it? The, you know, Cannibal Council was adopted by the fandom. So you guys didn't have a special little nickname for it? No, we only knew that it was a ceremony of some kind. Okay. Mm. All right. That's All right. cool. Yeah. Um. So there were a lot of notable 90s looks in the show, co-ed naked, you know, being one of those. Um, tell us a little bit about how it ended up in the show. Was it like a no-brainer from the beginning or, you know, how did that evolve and how did it actually make it on Van? Well, the fun thing about that shirt is that Ashley and Bart wrote that in. So oh, really? um, being 90s kids <laughs> and myself being a 90, we all that was one of the first things I read in the script. And to me, it was something that really sparked my imagination because um, that was such a iconic thing from the nineties and you had a co-ed naked everything, you know? In fact, when I was um, posting about this Instagram on a friend of mine from sports in the nineties wrote rough, tough and in the buff. And I was like, I forgot that there was that other, that other like quote to it. So, uh, but what it what it, it was really fun. So it really nailed it down in that time period. And they are amazing about those kind of details. They're incredible writers. And um, what, so when I was given the script to like interview for the show, and that came up, that really sparked the idea of using clothes in the wilderness that were out of their closets, out of their suitcases, excuse me, and mixed up and worn down and everything because it was that idea of juxtaposing the teenage girl with this like wilderness life that they're leading and survivalism. So it was really fun to mix those two things up together. It's such a funny, that's the other thing about them. They've written a lot of like funny details into something that could be really scary, but you can't help but like smile a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, we go from, you know, the cleaner version of the co-ed naked soccer shirt here at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about the evolution of it and, you know, this is kind of where, we end up at the end, um, you know, completely aged, dirty. Uh, tell us a little bit about the aging process, not only for the co-ed naked shirt, but for the other wardrobe items as well. Well, I mean, that was a really important part of it's it's a really important part of the show. In fact, our aging team in Canada is nominated for an award for Doom Coming because of the aging. Oh, episode. Wow. But I think it's, you know, um, Karen, the director, uh, her sensibility is like very realism. And so she wanted to have all these, like, cause we're talking about year, I think they're supposed to be out there for two years and just what it would be like. And these are um, precious items because there's not, it's a limited resource, it's clothing. Um, they would be really dirty. I mean, if, at, the begin, at the end of that pilot, there was a lot of talk about the makeup um, for Misty, for instance, they wanted to have cracked lips and her glasses are broken and just to show what they've been through. And it really, it really, um, I mean, that the aging on that Coed Nicken t-shirt is amazing. It looks so real and it's, it really speaks of their struggles out there, I think too. Yeah, uh, it I mean, does. You guys have been camping. You know what it's like. You spend one day out there and your socks are filthy. <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, the 19 months or whatever. That's incredible. Some of these clothing items even make it out of there. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. They stayed intact the whole time. That's crazy. Absolutely. Um, so some other 90s looks that you created in addition to Co-Ed Naked. Um, we had Van's Pink Converse. 
um, which gosh, I thought I had pulled a photo. I'm not seeing it here, but um, the pink converse is another kind of like nineties item. Was that something that was written in? Um, was it a detail added later? Tell us about the pink converse. The way that was written in was um, it just talked about a, a shot in the script where you pan up and you see the shoes come to the edge of the pit where they where the girls murdered. Um, and one thing that was really important was to create costumes, like I was saying before, that look like a teenage girl. Like we don't want it to just look like a tribal community or um, some fantasy. Like really needs to be that this these are teenage girls. And so um, a pink converse coming to the edge of that really spoke to that. It like again with like the juxtaposition of those furs that have all been like hand sewn together and. So that was the that was the first clue. It's kind of like the coed naked t-shirt in that sense. Right. And they and then once we decided on something so distinctive, like a pink converse, we knew we couldn't really assign it to any character because it would it would lock a, a the story writers into who that person is, although they may have an idea, I don't know. And um, so we really are trying that's sort of one of the Easter eggs throughout the series. Right. Yeah. We read that they switch clothes and whatnot, you know, and that I guess helps, you know, keep the mystery going a little bit. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's real because at some point it's really about, you know, finding something clean, finding something warm, you know, yeah. less than like this is mine. It becomes a little bit more communal. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Emily, how would you describe Jackie's look in Yellow Jackets? She's like your typical preppy girl, in my opinion, with the like that looks like it's like a Ralph Lauren shirt or something like that with the logo on it. And she wears the Argyle patterns and she's just very classically preppy. She is. Um, Marie, tell us a little bit about, you know, creating Jackie's look. I mean, Jackie was definitely probably the most preppy of the 90s characters out there in the woods um what went into creating her look well those two pictures um are from later in the series of episodes that um a different costume designer did uh but i i think you know she's I, in the 90s there was that heavy preppy trend i don't know if you remember where it's has like with the rope with the um gross green ribbon belts and so it's yes it's not just yes yeah, so there was like a trend going on at the time plus she's a little bit wealthier than her um friends and she's a little bit of a princess um <clears throat> in that sense so and that kind of she spoke to me as one of the and new jersey you know i grew up in new jersey it's, huh. it's east coast so it's a little bit more traditional rather than i live in california now but you grew up in California, you're wearing more trendy clothing. So I think, um, so that those were all kind of the ideas behind her being preppy, but I think it really does speak to that moment in time. Absolutely. Um, you know, and Shauna, you know, her teen and adult version was very into the plaids. Was that something that you had a hand in, um, that vision? Yeah, because, um, one of the, one of the real challenges of creating this show for our director and writers was like finding the young, the younger teen version and the adult version of all these characters. And they did a phenomenal job casting. 
um, all really talented actors, but like not all of them match up. You know, they have different eye colors, they have different hair colors. So there was a lot of talk about like how we're gonna make it obvious, especially in the pilot where you're telling, you're trying to create the base of the story and everyone can like understand it really quickly. You know, that we know that that's young Shauna and that's adult Shauna and that's, but so, such a classic look of the 90s is obviously a plaid shirt over a t-shirt that's such a grunge look and it was i yeah. mean it's still it's sort of become a classic look that everybody people still wear um and also and that's why it's funny to see you have the adult shauna who's wearing the mom version of it you know it's mm -hmm. transitioning something a little bit more rebellious to something a little bit more suburban so that was a way of visually tying them together so that the audience knows that that's the same person um but also kind of showing a distinction between who they were then and who they are now absolutely and you know nat had probably the most um i guess maybe fashionable or trendy or you know distinct i guess look yeah. um in the 90s but she had like a little bit more of like a 70s or 80s look maybe not quite as 90s um yeah how did you get well that i mean I think, you know, she is a rebel. She's a little bit more punky, but not totally punk. I mean, in the 90s, you know, 70s vintage was really popular because it was um, it was kind of the beginning of like ironic fashion and that kind of stuff. And so we tied that in with her. She doesn't have a lot of money. She shops at thrift stores. She's got great style. She puts that look together for herself. Um, uh, Sophie had that amazing haircut, which is kind of like a little bit of a bleach mullet. So we kind of worked with that to create that look. And um, that was really fun. She she looked fantastic in those clothes. And I, yeah. I love that, her costumes. Absolutely. That was a, a very good look. Um, you know, we had a question coming on Twitter when we said we were going to be talking to you. Um, Vine, Coven of Chaos Era, wanted to know, how did you design Misty's outfits? What came into your mind to make them so amazing because they really are cute? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, well, Misty, you know, she is um, – really well she's one of the most fun characters because she's so complicated she's a nerd she's smart but she plays kind of innocent and naive which she is but um <clears throat> but really underneath she's kind of a sadist <laughs> <laughs> so i we the cat thing looks so it's so cliched um that theme that she's it's so kitsch and like it would have been really dorky and it's immature, you know, it's, she dresses a little bit younger. She has the braces too. Um, mm -hmm. than the other girl, she's not as like as worldly or sophisticated, but she, but also I like the idea of a, a cat because we all know that cats play with their prey and they'll like torture a, a mouse or something in, until they kill it. And there's that great scene in the pilot where she's just watching that rat, or is it a possum? I can't remember. Swimming oh, in the pool. Yeah, until it drowns. Um, and that to me is like such a di distinctive, like she's just curious about what it looks to like to suffer, you know, and doesn't save it. So those are, it's sort of like, that's what it's supposed to be. It's sort of like the innocent look, but we all know that really underneath she's, she's something else. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about Doom coming. Um, how much like creative direction were you given from production? Um, what what was the task that you were given? Like celebratory outfits? Like how did how did the Doom coming process come together? Um, <clears throat> let's see. Well, I knew that there was going to be. They wrote into the script that they um, <clears throat> Bam and um, Bam was going to have a mask. Um, that they were going to have flower crowns. So, um, and so from that point, I kind of designed those alphabet. I wanted them all to be. The thing that's fun about the flower crowns is uh, that that's something that girls make and they're pretty. It was, if the scene we see in the pilot is their winter festival or their winter, winter Oops. Oh no. Oh, oh you're frozen, Marie. Okay. Oh, there you are, you're back. Okay. Oh yeah. So can you still hear me or did you miss all that? We missed it. We missed it. Oh, sorry. Start again. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew that, um, so things that were written in the script, we knew Thaisa and Van were going to have masks. We knew that there was going to be flower crowns. And so that from that starting point, I started to design if this scene we see in the pilot is their winter sort of ceremony. This was supposed to be sort of like the beginning of their fall. They're supposed to have a more of a fall feel and they don't know it, but this is the beginning of whatever that is later on in the series. We know it as the audience and we start to see it. And it, um, and so flower crowns are something that girls know how to do growing up. You learn how to make a daisy chain or, so each one I wanted them to be distinctive. I tried to match crowns to personalities. We used different flowers and then we aged those down because everything in the woods is kind of dying a little bit at this point, it's fall. Yeah. Um, we knew that they, would have some kind of formal wear dresses in their luggage that they were going to wear. They're on their way to this soccer tournament. So the final thing in a soccer tournament usually is some kind of dinner or like an awards dinner or banquet they, or something. Yeah, exactly. So that was part of, so we knew they'd have those. Some people ended up wearing a nightgown because theirs was destroyed in the plane crash. Um, and then we started kind of layering those costumes in different ways, the way we would later on. Um, and I wanted those masks for Thaisa and Avan to be really cool so that they looked like rock stars when they walk in holding hands. Um, and I did a weaving technique on Van's mask that would look similar to some weaving we did later on in the winter scene. Like I tried to incorporate some of the techniques we used for those winter ceremony costumes into what was going on here. Cool. It was Very fun cool. kind of like keep it going. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, you are responsible for creating the Antler Queen costume as well. Tell us from start to finish, from the second you knew, you know, there was going to be an Antler Queen, what that process looked like. And like the hair, <clears throat> like how did, how did you come up with all these incredible details? Well, I knew that there was going to be a, in the script, it was written that there was a ceremony at the end where they're eating, they kill someone and they're eating this body. And everyone was dressed in fur because it was like cold, basically. Yes. And 
so in my interview to do interview for the job, I was like, it'd be really fun. And I was like, what is this? And they were like, it's a ceremony. So once we knew that it wasn't just like dinner time, that actually had some um, deeper meaning to it, I was like thinking about like what it would be. And so I just said, it would be really interesting knowing how girls have hierarchy, social hierarchies. There's like the popular girl and her um, best, her mean girl, best friends and how it goes down. I was like, it'd be really fun to have some kind of distinction. So each, what we were calling acolyte to the antler queen, I was like, you know, it starts with rabbits and then there's a skunk or a possum. And then, you know, it goes up the sort of the, we were, mar we're marrying a social high school hierarchy to a um, an animal hierarchy in terms of like, so um, Misty has, has a wolf on her. And we, you know, I checked with Ashley Martin, like, is this something that would happen? And they're like, we know that they're gonna have a gun and we know there's gonna be, wolf someone's gonna shoot a wolf at some point. So I'm like, okay, great. We can put a wolf on Misty. And, but I, but the main person in the middle who, we were calling the Oracle because they had a sort of like, they were sort of the fixture in the middle. We were like, how are we going to distinguish this person as the, the top of the heap basically? And I couldn't quite figure it out. And then at some point I was like, well, humans are the top of the heap and they're, so let's do human hair. And then I designed it to look like a queen's <clears throat> cape, like an ermine cape. And the antlers really are there to, distort her frame and her figure so that it's not human. Like we're not supposed to think of that person as a human. We're supposed to think it as otherworldly. Um, and then early on having conversations with the Karen, you know, I keep going back to this thing, like this is a show about girls and women, not, there's no, there's not a lot of men in this movie and what is distinctive about that. So um, there's a scene where we know that Misty was going to take off the mask and it's revealed at the end of the show that it's Misty, right? Mm -hmm. And Karn really loved the idea of the mask coming off as like a bridal when I pitched that fur mask to her um, because that's sort of like the symbolism. So I kind of try to tie in that we, we used a dress, a 90s crocheted dress and in sort of a veil-like way because it's such a, it's something that only women wear, you know, really. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, your um, design has spawned so much cosplay. Our friend Kaylee, um, you probably have seen her, oh, cool. her pictures. Um, mm -hmm. She is our cosplay queen and her antler queen costume. This is like her glow up. She had one before that was a little less complex, but I mean, she totally nailed it. And I just, I mean, what a vision you had that now so many people are copying. I mean, on Halloween, did you see on Instagram how many people yeah, were so dressed fun. up? That's like the ultimate compliment to a costume designer. Um, <laughs> but it's bigger than an Oscar is to have people wear your, your design. So, I mean, I really had fun with it because I like the idea of infusing. I tried to make it a little bit fashionable. <laughs> I gave her wigs, you know, so that also... Because I feel like aesthetics is an important part to teen girls, you know, how you look. Yeah. So I think they would be making it and making it their own. That's why there's like earrings attached to things. They took what they had in their luggage, but they made it new. They they designed their stuff a little bit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love the bunny. Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, all the costumes are just so 
incredible. The the furs and stuff, are those real furs that you guys used? Or, I mean, are they? No, there was a long debate about whether to use real. I mean, some of them are. Like, um, I think that raccoon is real. But, you know, a lot of our actors are also vegan. So we also wanted to honor, to respect that. But, um, and also we never, I mean, the thing about... Uh, what we learned was, you know, every project is a learning process because you're doing something pretty new, but um, it, I'm glad we didn't use real furs because these costumes have to last for many, many years. And a lot of times those raw furs or whatever aren't cured and they, you know, they fall apart if you don't right. take, put them. So we were able to do that. I mean, making it out of fake fur is a lot more complicated than you would imagine because we had to, fake fur comes in bolts and we had to cut out each rabbit fur and gradiate the color because, you know, it's different on the paws than it is on the back and age it. And then it also doesn't have suede on the back. We had to, you know, so it was a long process, but it looks so beautiful. And we worked with the gorgeous costume house, Moodle Little, and they made all that stuff and it looks. Yeah, it does look amazing. Everything came out so good. I mean, from start to finish everything I mean there's did you feel there was more going into the design for this show than for others in terms of like the animal aspect the two different timelines like what was your what do yeah. you think was your biggest challenge I guess I mean <clears throat> it's funny because a friend of mine is teaching a, used our pilot as a as a template for a class that they're teaching at UCLA costumes because there's so many factors first of all we had it's a sports show because we have all the soccer tournaments it's a period show because it's 90s. It's a contemporary show because you have the contemporary stuff that's going on. And then it's this fantasy wilderness stuff. So yeah, it was huge in terms of a pilot because there's so many distinctive things. And I had to have people working on different elements of the show because they're all so different and bring it all together. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you have a favorite character to design for? You know, that's really hard because they're all fun. Uh, I have to say, I give it out to Ashley and Bart. They created really complex, interesting characters. And I love working with Karn because she really has a sensibility that made it gritty, um, which was fun. Um, I mean, I love the 90s. I loved Lottie's 90s. I loved, I love all the 90s stuff. That was really fun. Um, the wilderness obviously was such a fantasy and we got to really, um, you know, it really was like very fun to play in that world and like think of new ideas. And we were given a lot of creative freedom, obviously, to create the Antler Queen. I mean, obviously, that was something I worked on with the writers and Karn, but, you know, it was encouraged to really step out into a creative um, playground and kind of think of stuff. Um, so it's hard to say, but I guess Natalie is really fun. Yes. I don't, don't want to commit to anything. Right. Hey, I mean, we love them all too. We totally get it. I mean, in, in all of their own ways, they're each very special. Exactly. So. I mean, I even like the crappiness of um, Jackie. Jackie. That was yeah, too. I do too. So specific. And, um, and then Shauna, I mean, that's like, who can't relate to that look of the t-shirt and that, I mean, that's kind of, you know, I, I don't know. It all, they all have a really fun element and I loved be, trying to marry that to who they become. I mean, Natalie is such a, uh, I think when Julie and for Juliet's version, the adult version, I mean, she's such a, uh, she's a grifter and she's kind of like always morphing. So she starts out like 
rich woman in a rehab and then she gets into like leopard pants. It's fun. It's really been, it's really fun to think about all those things. Absolutely. Um, and just in terms of, you know, the, the costume designs, did it, the approvals process, right? Like how many mm. iterations of certain things did you have to go to? Did, like, did they love some of them right away or did they kind of say, Hey, it's almost there. Like, let's go back and perfect a couple details. Like what was the approval process like? You know, it's, it was, um, it was challenging. Like some of the things uh, people didn't like at first, like, you know, we, and then, you know, we're dealing with a couple different studios, Showtime and E1, who are both producing it. And um, everybody has a different idea of what they want the show to look like. And, but it really came together in a really well, good way. And um, I think the most important thing for them was like that the actors look like the same person in the past and the and also that the wilderness was distinctively that world in the wilderness their survival techniques was distinctively made by teenage girls that was a, yeah another thing so like um and um one of the things that we couldn't decide on is there's some woven pieces in that wilderness and um we cut up sweaters and clothes and we wove it in as if you know that's a technique a basic weaving technique that i found in a sort of like a wilderness book from the 30s but also girls would learn how to do pot holders and stuff at camp and so you'd know how to basic do basic weaving and that you know i think it was just a kind of a constant conversation between me and the director and the writers because at first they were like no that's too pretty mary don't that looks like something you buy at you know a fancy boutique but then as we aged it and they realized that it was it was unique to the then it spoke to about this show and it distinguished this group of people in the wilderness. They were like, Oh, let's put those back in and let's do the woven ponchos. Right. It was fun in the sense that it wasn't just like, yes, no, I like this. It was more of a conversation that kind of went on and we were able to. And what about the timeline for it? Like from the moment you received the pilot script to when your job was complete on Yellow Jackets, how long were you involved in the process for? Well, I think it was, we had like eight weeks to do the pilot, which is a really long, really long time. We shot for, um, let me think. I think we shot for, the pilot took a long time. It took like at least two or three weeks to shoot it. So, and then I, um, that, but then of course COVID hit, that was in 2019. Mm. We didn't pick the show up for a year and a half. So we weren't even sure it was going to happen. And then we shot season one in the summer of 2021. And so I came back at the end of that, like in August and September of 2021 and kind of wrapped it all together. But um, so it was a really long process, but um, it was, it was, and you know, it's very hard to shoot the show. They have two units going at all times. One is in the wilderness and one is, you know, in town and contemporary and it's, it's, it's big, you know, and linking all that stuff. They do an amazing job. I mean, I do some work in TV production as well. Anytime there's two units, I mean, that's like a whole nother thing. And scheduling that is, you know, a, a 
job in itself. Um, but I mean, everything came out so great from season one and all the looks were incredible. Um, do you have any other funny or fun, like behind the scenes moments to share or any like memories from set or, you know, things that, um, that we might not know just from, from looking at your social media? Oh, let's see. I mean, <clears throat> it was darn cold. We shot the, um, wilderness stuff up in Mammoth after a huge snowstorm and it was like I don't know 10 degrees we were all in full <laughs> snowsuits and I felt terrible for our only Misty uh was the only actor we had everyone else was a stunt person or background person but you know the the fake fur is not very warm. It's not like real fur. So it was layering up and people were um, definitely cold. Um, and we used uh, venison in that scene. And of course, um, our actor is vegan. And so it was very challenging for her to, you know, serve that up and cut it up and everything. So that was fun. I mean, it's interesting how many challenges there are on set you know we were trying to find people but then people had nail polish our background people had nail polish on so we had to figure out a way to like cover that up because you wouldn't have nail polish at that time and yeah. I'm trying to anything that's funny i mean it's it's a really there are so many funny bits in that show and everyone has such a great understanding of their character but it's an intense show because it's about suffering and tra childhood trauma so it's like um so sometimes the set can be kind of intense, actually. Yeah, I absolutely. Ooh. Um, well, I mean, I, I think um, we've covered most of our questions. Emily, is there anything else that you would like to know? I just have one question about the antler queen. Now, when you see her antler, she has something hanging off of them. Like, are those earrings? Yeah, they're earrings. Okay. Okay. It's kind of always so curious. And then yeah. she has, you can't really see it the way it's been shot, but you can see it in this photo. She has some um, antler wings as well. Yeah, she has back antlers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting. So one of the things that's fun about that um, scene is like, we knew we couldn't show who these people were because it's a mystery, but also we didn't really, we don't, we still don't really know who the acolytes are. We were calling them acolytes. Um, you came up with the name acolytes. That was like, you guys' thing? Your thing? I think so. I can't remember. But yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say cool. yes. Okay. Well, we will um, and we called the Antler Queen the Oracle. The fans have called it the Antler Queen. But, um, and now it is the Antler Queen, let's face yes. it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, so we knew it was going to be cold and we were like, how are we going to cover their faces? We can't show skin color. We can't show hair. Like one of the things about choosing the hair that was going to be on the Antler Queen is that we didn't want to have too many different styles because then people will be guessing whose hair it is. And so we just kind of went with dark hair um, and not too much of it. You know, there was a, definitely a lot of discussions about how much human hair was going to be on that. Um, and, and it is human hair, right? It, it's yes, actual hair. human hair. Okay. A hair salon and um, where you <laughs> buy extensions and yeah. um, you know, and it's different kinds of hair. It's curly and straight. And, uh, but you know, and the idea there was like, we don't know if those are victims or if someone else, someone just cut their own hair off and put yeah. it. Yeah, so it's like it's it's it gives the writers more room to like 
try to figure out what, how to get to that place, you know, because we had to leave them some room. Um, but with the, yeah, and same thing with the acolytes, we couldn't show skin, couldn't show hair color. And then I found some um, images of some African warriors had made sweaters into balaclavas. And so I'm like, oh, that makes sense. It keeps them warm. They have their sweaters. They need to cover their faces up. Um, we used pantyhose and some, I really love this image. We used a raincoat um, because Karen in my first meeting with her was like, I love this pink in the snow. And I'm like, I'm gonna find a pink raincoat. It's also so girly and it's like a tech fabric against the uh, fur, which is nice. Yeah, we used tights and we kind of made them into these different creatures, which is really fun. Uh, that's so cool. You know, we talked a little bit about the animals and, you know, what animals you could use. Um, our friend yeah. Phoenix wanted to know, um, you know, how they decided on what animals the characters would wear, um, <laughs> you know, which we did talk about. We talked about the wolf. Um, we saw the skunk and raccoon. Um, yeah. Is there Mrs. any other? Mrs. Mask is a beaver. Beaver. Okay. 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 Um, All right. That. And then we had... Um, the owl? Is that an owl? Um, That's an opossum. That is an opossum. Oh, okay. 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 That's a possum. Possum, raccoon, bunny. Yeah. I mean, we had to Stunk. get some real furs so that we could make the fake furs look real. We had to be right. like, okay, this is <laughs> the, the skunk took some, some time to make. Um, yeah. But you can see that that's a, and that's like a sleeve of a, of a, of a sweater. And we made oh. gators out of gloves out of sweaters and we tried to give it layers so that it looked really it looks scarier. Yes. Warm. <laughs> yes. Um now the team colors of yellow jackets. Um, did you have any hand in selecting the colors? I mean, obviously, like yellow jackets are gonna be yellow paired with some other color. Did you come up with the blue to go with the yellow? No, that, that was the decided? our producer Drew told me it has to be blue and and uh, gold, which is okay. it's pretty, it's pretty combination. And we came up, you know, we, but we designed all the uniforms and everything. Wow. So, I mean, you, you did pretty much uh, everything, not everything, but um, I mean, you set the tone for the entire season in terms of costumes. And like you said, you dealt with so many challenges in terms of the 90s, the contemporary, the wilderness, the aging, the animals. I mean, like, could you have had yeah. any more factors in play for the show? It's funny because I was just thinking like, oh, I called my my friends from um, college and high school. I was like, send me your, the ones who played soccer, send me your soccer pictures and your yearbook pictures. And so I kind of designed Jackie off of some of the, like she's like my sort of preppy friend from who's a jock in high school. Um, so yeah it was definitely like people I was definitely thinking about people I knew in the 90s when I was doing this costumes perfect place to draw inspiration yeah. from and gosh the 90s were such a good time I was a 90s kid myself so um I mean you really just nailed all the aesthetics um you know the co-ed naked so cool the converse the plaid um, all of it. And thank you for creating our antler queen. I think the entire <laughs> fandom would like, thank you as it's, you know, such a symbol of the show and, you know, so well loved within the fandom. So, yeah, um, so thank iconic. you for your, 
Yes, you're you're a costume design genius. So yeah, thanks for enjoy. I mean, it was fun to like I said, I enjoyed it as much as you guys. I'm a huge fan. So um, so it it was it's a mutual pleasure. Yay! Um, what projects are you working on now? Any anything current? Um, well, I just finished season two of a show called Minx which is set in the 1970s and it's about a sort of a fictionalization of a, um, we're not a porn magazine. <laughs> it's, it's not a feminist. It has a feminist bent, which seems to be the unifying link to all my shows. So yes. and you said that's, that's on stars. That's going to be on stars. Yeah. Okay. So that's exciting. Um, early seventies is always because I'm also a nineties kid. It's always a favorite of mine. So. Yay. Well, um, we cannot thank you enough for joining us today. Um, your insights into the costume design of Yellow Jackets are absolutely exceptional, phenomenal work through and through. And um, thank you. We appreciate it's you nice taking to meet the you time. guys. Yeah. And if any no other questions, email me. Yeah, we <laughs> absolutely will. Thank you. Well, that was so much fun fun and huge thanks to Marie for joining us. Um, yeah. That was really cool getting her perspective on costume design for yellow jackets. She has, and she, like, we also touched base on like the cosplay that's come out of this, like in the fandom too, and like showed her Kaylee's cosplay. And like, she said that it's so flattering to have people like dressing up as something that like you created for a TV show. And I think that's really cool too. Like I can't imagine how that would feel like to create something and then have people love it so much that they want to mimic it and copy it. Well, you know, Emily, they do say that imitation is the highest form of flattery. I don't know if you've heard that before. But do. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so, I mean, that was, that was really cool. I, appreciate Marie taking the time to join us and yeah. um, you know hopefully our hive was able to learn a little bit more behind the scenes into the yellow jackets costume design uh, we appreciate all of you hive babes thank you so much for watching and listening yes until we spill again